Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. I have another gorgeous guest for you today, Heather Lilico. And Heather is a holistic nutritionist, as well as being a yoga and meditation teacher. But she also specializes in helping people with anxiety. Now, it's an interesting thing because anxiety comes up so frequently as a topic. Um, and there are a lot of people out there with solutions, with you know, I can help you. And there's a lot of people out there who need the help. So thank goodness, you know, that you're that that's there, that you're giving that service. However, I'm always really, really interested to know what your take is on what the your solutions are, if you like. And I love the fact that you come from a, a nutritionist, a holistic tr- nutritionist point of view. So I'm going to be fascinated to hear about that. So we will get all into that. But first of all, welcome, Heather. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here to have this conversation. Thank you for holding the space for it. Yeah, you are so, so welcome. So why don't we start off just by hearing a little bit about you, about your history, how you got to be where you are, and um, yeah, what brought you to this work? Happy to share, yeah. So as you gave me that lovely introduction, I am a holistic nutritionist and a yoga and meditation teacher, and it was through my own experience with anxiety that made me feel inspired to get into this work and and help others. Cause I feel like after years of suffering and trying to manage, I sort of cracked the code a little bit on what the pieces are that come together to help support people. So let's back up a little bit. Growing up, I was always kind of a nervous kid. I was labeled as the sensitive one. I had a lot of big emotions, but I didn't know how to process them. And I was a perfectionist. I had to get perfect on everything or I felt like a complete failure. You know, I didn't know how to relax. I was always go, go, go over scheduling. And I was an overthinker. I would replay, you know, interactions with people in my mind. I would work out the what ifs of every scenario coming up. And it was a lot of mental exhaustion. And 
a lot of worry and, and self-doubt and you know, all of that followed me through to university where the pressure and all the workloads that I had to manage, it just became too much. And I started having panic attacks. And I remember the first panic attack I had, I was at a crowded party in university and my palms started to get sweaty. My heart started to beat fast. My vision started to tunnel and I felt like I was going to pass out. So I just locked myself in this bathroom and I remember just sliding down the wall and waiting for it to pass and thinking like, I feel like I'm dying right now. And it was such an overwhelming experience that ever since then I started living in fear of like, when is the next panic attack going to strike? And so I went to my doctor and I was, you know, I was at that point where I was so overwhelmed. I was so on the edge all the time. And I was like, I'm wasting so much of my life worrying. So something's got to change. And I asked her, you know, I'm having a lot of anxiety. What can we do? And she pulled out a prescription pad and she started writing me out something for anti-anxiety meds. Mm-hmm. I said, well, let's just pause here. Like we, I haven't explored any other routes yet. Let's see, you know, if there are some other things that I can do. And so I started to work with a counselor, a therapist, and that helps a little bit, but I still felt like that talk therapy alone wasn't enough. So I started just exploring these other modalities. I did my own research and started seeing maybe some foods that I could add that would help me feel calmer. And they did. I changed my diet and went mostly whole foods, plant-based. And then I still felt like I was really amped up in my nervous system. And like, I didn't know how to you know, process all these emotions and everything that was happening. So I picked up yoga and I felt a lot calmer. And then I needed to still tackle these racing thoughts, this spiraling mind. So I tried meditation and that helped me feel a lot calmer. And so for me, those were the pieces of the puzzle that came together and thought, this is incredible. Like having these habits in my life has completely changed how I show up and the level of calm and confidence that I can bring. So that's really why I got into this work is I wanted to be able to create a system for people and you know, take that overwhelm out of anxiety and help show people like step-by-step here are the habits that you can put into place that will help you get to the root of anxiety and help you feel calmer and just more free. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like, sadly, it sounds like quite a sort of a story that has probably been repeated a zillion times across the planet. You know, this sense of overwhelm, this perfectionism, this, um, you know, I've got to succeed and be the best at everything that I do and I think you know where that comes from potentially is society is parental pressure family pressure you know and pressure but like you know competition is big and you've got to get the grades or you're not going to get into the school and if you don't get at the right school you're not going to get into the right job and then you know your whole life depends on these things and you're just like 10 or something you know (laughs) yeah it's such a heavy weight to carry um, that there's, it feels to me like there's a sort of systemic like thing right at the base here that's, or, I mean, there's, that's, that's one side of it, but do you, in your experience, do you think that there's also a sort of a physiological um, side to this? Because if you're treating people through what they're eating, then in, in some, you know, in part at least, then, that also has a huge, potentially huge part to play in it. So what what exactly did you, what were you eating when you were anxious and what? how did you change that? What was your kind of shift in terms of your diet? Because I think that's a really, that's a, yes, it's an external factor, but it doesn't rely on your upbringing or your society or, um, you know, the, you know, your, your, 
chemical makeup, your physical makeup. Yeah. Yeah. What's really exciting about that area of nutrition is I think it's such an untapped area for a lot of people, right? Like we don't often make the link between what we're eating and how we're feeling, but no amount of mindset work, no amount of meditation is going to be able to overcome a crappy diet. Like if you simply don't have the nutrients that you need, the building blocks, right, that your body needs to make those neurotransmitters to feel calm, then it's going to be really hard to feel calm. So for myself, I had, you know, this sort of standard, I guess, university diet where it was a lot of fried foods. I was probably drinking more than it was warranted. It was high sugar, you know, a lot of like late night eating, study snacks, like whatever was like a quick hit of energy to, uh, to, to get me through. And, you know, at that time I was, I was sort of starting to use food to cope with emotions as well. So I would turn towards the high carb food, you know, the, the fatty, the salty, like the comforting kind of food. And I was sort of turning towards that to help me numb out of, of dealing with these strong emotions. And so all of that was leading to inflammation in the body. It was leading to not getting the nutrients that I needed to really support my my brain, my gut. And so when I started to move and, and you know, I started so gradually, like I just started to pull out some of those foods and I thought maybe like, can I just reduce the sugar a little bit? Can I reduce the caffeine a little bit? And then started to feel a little bit calmer there. But then I didn't just want to take things out because I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they'll just go, okay, cold turkey is that all or nothing perfectionist thinking, right? Like I have to be on the wagon. And so I didn't just want to do that, but I wanted to also supplement then and add things in. So this is where I thought, well, okay, how can I get in more veggies today? You know, if I'm going to make a smoothie, can I throw in a handful of spinach in there? If I'm going to have a snack, sure, maybe I'm going to have some chips, but can I also maybe have, you know, a handful of nuts on the side? And so it's that principle of like, what can I add? What can I add to really just boost what I was already doing? And so that's when I really started to have the shifts is when I started to focus on real whole foods. Mm -hmm. And then sort of a side effect of that too is, and I've learned that these come together for a lot of people is I was experiencing IBS at the time, irritable bowel syndrome. Anxiety and IBS are very highly correlated. So a lot of people who experience anxiety also have troubles with their tummy, whether it be bloating or heartburn, you know, things moving too fast or too slow. And so sort of a side effect of changing my diet was that the IBS started to improve. I was bloated all of the time. Like I looked pregnant and like sometimes my genes wouldn't even do up. And when I started to incorporate these foods and things like fermented foods, yeah, the anxiety got better, but a great benefit was that I also felt a lot better in my body. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's an like instant like solar plexus chakra, overactive solar plexus chakra. And that relates to the digestive system. And, you know, it's, it's a very easy correlation that of the stress anxiety affects that that energy center and the digestive system and the whole digestive tract. And that's something that's really um you know, then, then treated, but in the majority is treated as a physical issue. And this is where I find anxiety is a, is a, and these, you know, all, all sort of issues of so-called of the mind, because they're not, they're really of the entire system, because this is the nervous system that is being affected. It's you living constantly in your sympathetic nervous system thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen next? You know, there's just this constant, and it's this overactive, and it's an interesting one. I'd love to ask you this. So 
if someone if I'm doing a chakra reading, for example, and someone shows up with an overactive solar plexus chakra, if there's aspects there that are like really, you know, either blocked or super overactive, you know, there's sort of some imbalance there. I will often say, okay, so the solar plexus energy is fire, which is why heartburn, I always, that makes me kind of chuckle slightly because yes, it feels like heartburn, but you know, it is literally the flames of your solar plexus just licking up through the sort of mm. throat. Um, and below that, we have the sacral energy, which is full of water. That's the watery flow of, you know, sensual and fun and creative. And so I always say to people, who have an overactive chakra have more fun like on purpose like make sure you have fun like put some music on and dance in your kitchen whatever it takes move your hips enjoy yourself go and have a laugh watch some comedy go to a stupid comedy show or something like that um and people actually you know people who are overactive in the solar plexus they're like oh i didn't know about that you know that even the thought of that makes them kind of like slightly there's a, a bit of resistance there which I always find really interesting and so I mean does that is that something that resonates for you yeah I mean I think of it in terms of like you know when you said fun it sort of pinged for me the nervous system right and we have this autonomic nervous system in our body that has two sides there's that fight or flight side right also called like our protection side and when we're feeling anxious that is what's kicked on is that oh my gosh, this feels dangerous. Something feels dangerous about the situation. So we got to be in that protection mode, that fight or flight. But when we're having fun, we're in that other side of our nervous system, the rest and digest, right? Safety mode. So yeah. by doing these types of activities, we can sort of manually switch ourselves over because the body says, oh, if you're having fun right now, you must be safe. You must be okay. And so everything can kind of calm down and come back into regulation then. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It's um, it's a, a. This is why it's the holistic side of it. I think is really important. And you can't just do talking therapy. You can't just do yoga and exercise. And actually, that's another thing that I wanted to ask you about because you said I, I when I was looking at you know all your details and so on. One of the things that you said was um, you would talk to how exercise can actually add to your anxiety. And most of the time, most people will go, actually exercise is what helps, you know, like, you know, my husband runs, he goes for a run every morning, he runs like 10K or so, you know, sometimes more, sometimes less, but that help has helped him keep his anxiety at bay. However, actually other stuff has helped him with that anxiety so that now actually the, the run isn't as essential as it used to be. So I'm interested in this exercise being anxiety. Yeah. And I think, you know, we're talking about exercise and how it can affect people's hormones. What I want to stress is that we're talking about like the population of people who are already anxious and who are tending towards burnout, right? So basically people whose hormones are already out of balance. So their main stress hormone, main stress hormone, cortisol is going to be high. So if we're bringing in types of activities like, you know, high intensity interval training, CrossFit, like the really intense types of because exercise is a form of stress on the body. It can be very healing for the body as well. And we can move it in such beautiful ways, but physiologically, if we're talking about what's happening when we do these intense 
workouts, it puts more stress in the body. So if somebody is already tending towards that burnout mode, it's going to stress out the hormones further. And I mean, the population that I work with is typical like perfectionists. So there is that tendency, I think, to have such extreme workouts, right? To feel like if I'm not exhausted and absolutely depleted after an exercise, then what's the point? It wasn't quote unquote worth it. Like that's the type of uh, the group that I work with. And I can say for myself, you know, I used to I grew up being a figure skater and I would compete compete and have like a fairly intense training schedule. And then when I left that world, I was more doing more boot camps and circuit training. And I still felt like I needed to almost use exercise as punishment in a way, I'll say. Like I felt like I had to, you know, get that burn going. Yeah. And I felt injured and exhausted afterwards. And when I started to switch to say, okay, what does my body actually want to do? You know, and sometimes a good hit workout is great. It can help you just release things. And maybe somebody out there really likes doing them. And that's that's great. Then go with it. But we have to really think about like, what do we want to do in terms of movement? What truly feels good for your body? Not just what you feel like you should be doing. And then what's your training schedule, right? If you're going to do a boot camp class every day, it's going to be too much for the body and it's going to stress out the hormones further. But if we're incorporating some slower movement, right? We're bringing in some walking, some yoga, maybe a couple of more intense workouts a week that help you feel like you get a sweat on, then that could be a good balance. But I think it does come down to balance, right? Because that's what we're really trying to do with the hormones. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So talk to me a little bit about the 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 role of hormones within this this kind of high level of anxiety, this perfectionism, like what are, what are the hormones contributing or what are they doing in terms of like making you feel like you have to be a perfectionist? What is, the, what is their role? So I think the main ones we should talk about are your adrenaline, which is more like your short term, oh my gosh, there's danger present. And when I say danger, I don't just mean physical danger, like you know, you you step off a curb and there's a car coming towards you. It can also be an emotional danger. Like you have a big meeting at work and you're going to have to speak up in that. That can feel like sort of an emotional threat, right? Like, oh my gosh, people are going to judge me. That feels so scary. So that could bring up a level of anxiety and, and adrenaline. And if we have that sort of short term, you know, every once in a while, that's fine. But when we're having that adrenaline kick in, when we're sending an email, and or like we're answering a text message back like we really don't need it on then right it's that something about that situation feels unsafe and so that's really what we have to address is like the root of what's going on what about this situation feels like i may be judged or like i'm not good enough or it's something that's um, activating you know some sort of deeper belief in ourselves that's usually what's causing the anxiety and then when we have that long term you know this happens more and more that's when our cortisol, our other stress hormone, that stays high. And then eventually it can bottom out. Like we can get to that point where we we reach burnout. We're so exhausted. And for people listening, you know, some of the signs of burnout are like you've lost interest in what you used to really enjoy doing, right? So it just doesn't seem appealing to do any of those hobbies, to go see friends anymore. You know, people might have trouble with sleeping. So we call it um, tired but wired, where you feel like I'm exhausted and I need to go to bed, but I simply can't sleep. Like your mind might be racing or you might having those, you know, two or 3 a.m. middle of the night wake ups. That can be a sign of dysregulated cortisol. So just 
is, you know, people can start to think for themselves, like, am I having these, you know, some of these symptoms, am I experiencing another one? It's like frequent headaches, right? It gives a lot of these emotions get stored in the body. So how is it coming out there? That can be a sign that your hormones are out of balance too. Yeah. So I want to take you back to something you said, because again, in my work, when somebody comes to me and they're like super stressed or they're, they're this overthinking or they're the perfectionist, specifically really the perfectionist mindset, my first sort of port of call is going, okay, so where, where did you pick up this belief? Where was this taught to you in your life? At what stage? Like, can you remember how old you were when you suddenly thought, holy crap, I've got to be perfect or else? Like, these belief systems that we take on board um, are, you know, they get hardwired into us. We bake them down into ourselves, into our mindset. And so it's like chipping away at this, you know, it's always chipping away at concrete, but we can do it. You know, we've just got to, work at it how do you how do you approach that side of things like that upbringing I mean it's interesting because you mentioned that you used to be a competitive ice skater and um I'm presuming that was when you were you know in your teenage years or younger even yeah so mm -hmm. that was something that you were doing that your parents were actively involved in and encouraging you to do I'm sure you loved doing it because you were good at it and you you know it was a joyful thing to do I mean who wouldn't be oh, I would love to be able to ice skate beautifully have a dream it's never too late never too late <laughs> not seen me on skates I'm like <laughs> um but the so I'm thinking like where you know, did you identify where your perfectionism came from? You don't have to tell me if it's personal or something, but that, that mindset thing of that belief system that you picked up at some point, and not just you, anybody, that's the thing that I am always interested in and drawn to trying to discover, uncover, and shift because we are holding that within our bodies somewhere. Yes. Oh, this is such a good a, a good area for us to chat about because my approach is that, you know, the habits that we put into place, meaning like meditating, practicing yoga, eating these nourishing whole foods, that's an incredible part. And, it, it, you know, it's part of the work that I do. But the other part is we have to talk about the roots, right, of like these belief systems that, as you so beautifully said, get baked into us. I love that phrasing. Because this stuff does develop when our subconscious mind is developing, right? So when we're younger, we're constantly bombarded with messages from the world, from our caregivers. And perfectionism, what I have seen is that is it's often a result of trauma and it doesn't have to be capital T trauma, a horrific incident. It can be these small instances where we get this messaging over and over. So, you know, for myself growing up, I mean, and let me say my parents are lovely, wonderful people. And so it doesn't have to mean that you have this horrible upbringing, right? But of course they wanted me to do well. And so if I brought home a test and it was 90% on the test, it was, where's the other percent, the other 10%, what happened? Or perhaps, you know, if somebody only gets noticed or praised when they have an achievement, right? Every time after um, a skating test, if I passed the test, I was taken to go get a donut. And so I 
sort of built in that reward system in my brain. Oh, if I do a good thing, I will get this affection, this love, right? And as of course, as children, we're so hardwired to look for that love. So if we're only getting praised when we have the achievement, we come to learn then that our worth is based on the achievement. And so, of course, we always want to be right loved because that is how we survive. That's security for us. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to keep achieving and we end up with this sort of mentality where we can't take a break. We can't rest. We feel lazy. We feel guilty for relaxing because then we're not achieving, i.e. feeling worthy. So we've had that this sort of mistaken tie to achieving means worthy and worthy means safe and loved. And do you think that um, having that awareness, just learning that simple fact that, oh, yes, that is what happened to me when I was, you know, when I was growing up, that is, those are the belief systems that I took on board. Do you think just having that awareness is enough to begin to shift that energy? Or does it take harder work than that? What what do you, how do you, how do you feel about that? I think the awareness is the first piece and it's a big piece because if you simply don't have the awareness, you're just on autopilot getting activated all day and thinking, oh, it's just about the situation, right? It's just because my friend didn't text me back and now I think they're mad at me. But it's not about that. It's about, oh my gosh, if someone's mad at me, that could mean I'm going to be left or alone. Like that's sort of the underneath, right? So the awareness is great because it helps us understand when we're being activated and what is truly like the root of it. But I think the next step beyond that is the shift then, right? Is we have to say, okay, you know what? I'm no longer that six-year-old. We don't want them driving the bus. I'm now adult version of me. An adult version of me believes different things, right? I am believing now, like I'm consciously choosing to believe that I am good enough, that my worth is not dependent on my achievements. I'm worthy no matter what. I was born worthy and nothing has changed. Like when we start to repeat those types of affirmations to ourselves, I think that's how we can start to have those shifts, right? That's how we're rewiring the neural pathways in our brain. We're starting to believe something different, but I think the awareness is the first step. And then consciously bringing online that adult version of yourself to yeah. say, okay, you know what? That's past experience. I get it. That's how you survived at that point. It's, you know, all this is adaptive, right? We come to believe these things about ourselves because that's what keeps us safe and surviving. But then this is not how we want to move forward, right? I imagine most people listening, they want to be able to take risks. They don't want to feel like they have to be perfect. I mean, such an unattainable thing and such unrealistically high standards. Like we don't want to feel like we have to always hit that benchmark to feel good enough. Like That's exhausting. And so that's how we shift out of it is we consciously think, no, I'm, I'm believing something different. And the more we can catch ourselves when we're being activated in those situations and say, oh, you know what? This is activating my, I'm not good enough, or this is activating my, I have to achieve to be worthy. Okay, I'm going to shift out of it and believe something different. The more we can do that, the easier it becomes to do. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely spot on. Now, there's another side of this kind of anxious person. Now, the overthinking, you've already talked about, you know, that mind, you know, you're lying in bed, the mind is going. And we've all had that, whether we think of ourselves as anxious people or not, we all have that kind of like overthinking 
potential. And usually what the overthinking thing is about is, oh, I should have done it that way. Or if only I'd said the other thing, or why didn't I do that? Why didn't I know that? Why didn't I, you know, all of those things that are, well, if only, if only, if only I'd done X, Y, and Z, if only I'd said X, Y, and Z. Like, how do we get out of that? Because I think um, that's uh, the other side of anxiety. Not only is there this perfectionist, but there's just like this ability to beat ourselves up. Like we get a massive stick and we just whack ourselves around the head. And it's, um, it's yeah, it's unnecessary, it's maddening, and it's destructive. Go, give us a solution. <laughs> Okay, let yeah. here here it is. I've I've solved it all. Uh, well, I think one I haven't solved it all because I am still very much working on this, and it, and it's always a work in progress to be kinder to myself. And you know, yeah. some of the things I say to myself, I would never say to a friend. I would never be this this harsh. Mm. But I think what I've discovered is a technique that helps is practicing self compassion. Is being our own friend in that scenario, right? So when I start to go into the if onlys, right? If only I had done this and I'm replaying my reaction to something or you know, I wish I had come across as different or did I offend somebody or, oh my gosh, what? Like, you know, you're, you're, and sometimes I'll say like, you're so stupid. And then I catch myself in that. Mm -hmm. And so if we can sort of pause in those moments and put a hand on the heart and take a couple of breaths and then practice the steps of self-compassion. So to say, okay, you know what I've, I feel that this feels hard right now, right? I'm You're struggling and that's okay. It's okay to struggle. And I remind myself, you know, whatever you have done, I guarantee someone else has done this too. You are not the only one in the world who has made this mistake, whatever it is. And so we kind of bring this shared humanity into it, right? And so that lightens things a little bit. Okay, I'm not alone now. Someone else has made this mistake too. Yeah. And then we remind ourselves that it's okay to make mistakes that you're human and you're allowed to make mistakes. And that's where the perfectionism piece comes in because perfectionist, every mistake feels like the end of the world because you're only as worthy as like your next achievement. And so if you make a mistake, that totally rocks your sense of self-worth. So that's the deeper work that needs to be done is that sort of retraining that your worth is not dependent on your achievements. So I remind myself I'm human, I'm allowed to make mistakes you know, your worth is not dependent on your achievements, you're worthy no matter what, that lightens it a little bit more. And then I just take a final breath and release it, let it all go. And that seems to to turn down the volume on that negative self-talk. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, you're absolutely right. And just, but it's, and it takes a certain level of mindfulness to actually remind yourself to do that. You have to, first of all, catch yourself in that moment and go, oh, no, I don't need to be beating myself up like this right now. And then take yourself through those steps of just stopping and going, it's okay. It's not that bad. Like, you know, it's all okay. But I think that we have, um, as humans, we continue in our own minds to try and repair what cannot be repaired. Like we'll go back and we'll go, why didn't I do that? And like, beat yourself up for something that can't be changed in the moment mm -hmm. you made the decision with the best of your intentions with best knowledge and you made a decision and then six months down the line you go that wasn't actually a great decision and so you use that to beat yourself up with 
And again, all you can do is recognize that that's what you're doing. I'm guessing. I don't know. I I just find it really interesting that as humans, we continue to beat ourselves up for trying yeah. to trying to repair something that can't be repaired. And I mean, some of it is, I can see like the evolutionary reason behind it, right? Like our brain is, the job of our brain is to think and to think us out of, you know, any problem. So it feels like if we make a mistake, okay, I better overanalyze this and think it through so that next time I don't make that mistake. And the, the reason it feels so significant is because of that that want to get everything right, right? Of that, like, I can't, I can't make mistakes because, I mean, in some respects, mistakes feel dangerous, right? If I make a mistake, that could be costing of my life. And so, yeah, with big mistakes, you know, we want to be on high alert. But I'm, what I find is that for most people, it's, it's the small mistakes. It's, oh, I spelled someone's name wrong in that email or, you know, it, it, like something so minor that we're replaying. That's what we need to take the significance out of is that this is not a life or death thing. But sort of acknowledge that in that moment, it kind of does feel like a life or death thing. Like it kind of does feel to the subconscious mind, like that's so dangerous. What if I get left and I'm alone? So we can acknowledge this feels really intense right now. This feels hard. But then remind ourselves, you know what? It's okay. It's just a mistake. I'm allowed to make mistakes. It's just a small thing. It's all right. And then that can sort of like get us get us past it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think... Um... It takes a it takes a big presence of mind, and I think that, that having somebody to support you in this. And you were telling me before we started recording that you've got an app where you have um, all of these resources. And I just think for somebody who knows that they suffer with anxiety and that these thoughts come crashing in on a pretty regular basis, to have an app on your phone that you can just open and it will give you a few little solutions, just remind you of these things, just bring you back into your body, I think is amazing. And I, you know, I mean, obviously we're both yoga teachers. We both teach meditations. So, you know, and everybody, I'm pretty sure everybody who listens to this knows that already. Um, <laughs> probably a practitioner themselves. And so can, you know, knows firsthand the benefit of taking yourself out of your mind and into your body. And just and in and doing a practice and just becoming aware of where you're holding on to your stuff, where you hold the anxiety, where you hold, you know, the fear. Because that's really what it comes down to, isn't it? Everything just comes down to this fear. Um, and we're just constantly moving towards trying to feel safe. Um and so, yeah, talk, talk to me a little bit about your app. Sorry, I'm an often a little sort of wander. Yeah, mind. well, it's such a it's such a good point. Yeah, right. We're I mean, I think we're all just like six year olds walking around in adult skin suits and trying to figure out like what we're doing and how we can feel safe and loved. Uh, and so that's, you know, really how the app came about is because prior to this, I used to run group programs for anxiety. And what I found was great about them is it provided people with some really concrete you know, skills and tools. And, and there was this definite start date and end date and that kind of exciting energy behind it. And it created this sense of community. And that's so helpful for people with anxiety because it can feel lonely and isolating. And you feel like, you know, you're the only one that has these weird panicky thoughts. And there's so much shame and guilt around all that. So the, the group programs were great, but what I found was missing was that, okay, when the, the program was done is that people would 
not have the resources to keep up with the habits, right? Is we've had some of these shifts, but I mean, personal growth is always like, you know, we're peeling back layers all the time and learning more and more about ourselves. Like it's, it's never done. So I wanted to create something that provided both like resources for people so that they can, you know, right before that big meeting, they can throw on a meditation and feel calmer when they're beating themselves up and that negative self-talk gets really loud. They can put on a self-compassion meditation or, you know, they can't fall asleep at night because the mind is spiraling. Great. There's a meditation for that. And then, you know, bring together all the resources of nutrition and recipes on there and then yoga classes. But I also wanted to create this platform, this community that we are encouraged each other and we are working together towards this common goal because I think that's the community is like the missing piece for a lot of people is that you know we end up falling off because we don't have people who are there like cheering us on and you know sometimes the self-sabotage gets really loud and we think like I don't have the time for it and you know lots of things can can come up so this sort of breaks through some of that by making it really manageable for people and having sort of a choose your own adventure of resources, but also really targeted courses on there that get to some of those roots, right? Of like, what is, what is, what is going on that is causing us to have these, you know, these activations to make us feel unsafe, unloved, and not take risks in our, our lives and, you know, not feel like we can relax without feeling guilty. Like I wanted to sort of address uh, the roots of, of some of that. And so I do have some multi-day programs on there that people can follow, listen to an audio clip every day, do a practice and come back into regulation quicker and quicker over time. Yeah. And that's that back to that sort of old adage of knowledge is power. Like as soon as you know these things and you set yourself up to remind yourself and you've got your app there that goes actually I need to remind myself of that because we can read something we can take something on board and have a wonderful aha moment and go yeah that's great and then we get on with our lives and then it may not stay at the top of our brain so to have it there I think is is really amazing and the other thing that I love about this idea is having community because as you said when you're feeling anxiety anxious it's like am I the only one that feels like this is this all me is it just me am I faulty um nothing wrong with me but when you've got other people there going yeah I feel exactly the same that just allows that beautiful sense of humanity to come into your life and there's something so um natural about it and it seems daft to to have to point it out maybe it is but you know we live in a you know as as animals as humans you know we are community spirited like we we were evolved to live in community with other people which is why this kind of fear of being other is scary because that means we're going to get shunned but it means that having a community around you that goes yeah we see you we hear you is just so um I don't know, just fills the heart, doesn't it? Having that, it just makes you feel whole and safe. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really. Yeah. And settled, I think. Like this kind of, ah, oh, like someone gets it, right? I mean, the need to be understood is, is key. It's so important for our growth, our evolution. And I think, you know, with everything with the pandemic, like so many of us are feeling isolated and we just have a different way of connecting with people these days. And, and I don't feel like there's, you know, that level of 
deep connection that so many of us need, right? Where we can have these open, honest, and vulnerable conversations about, you know, what's going on. And I've, I've found that such a beautiful part of launching this app, Cultivating Calm, is that to see these connections forming and to see people saying like, oh my gosh, this thing that you posted about, I totally get that. I totally feel that. Here's what I've been doing. And so in a way, like I can kind of take a step back from the community because there's already sharing of, oh, tried this resource on the app. I found it helpful. I'm doing this program. Here's what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and there's this, yeah, this real sense of community that I think a lot of people are missing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's wonderful. So how can people find you, Heather? Um, tell me, so you, uh, Cultivating Calm is the app. Yes. Yeah. And Cultivating Calm is that, uh, is the app. Um, but it does sound fantastic. I'm really, really impressed. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Yeah. It's been a, a labor of love to, to launch this and to see, you know, all the, the changes that people start to have and the shifts that they're having and, you know, how people can feel like they can relax without feeling guilty and they, you know, don't need to procrastinate and put things off. And that perfectionism, you know, kind of turns down and the negative self-talk, the volume goes down. Like it's, it's exciting to see those things. So if people want to check it out, um, there is a free trial. They can get a 14 day free trial of Cultivating Calm and you can head to the app store or Google play. And probably in the show notes, we'll put in um, the link to my website. People can read more about it if they like, but it's all about getting to the root of anxiety and then putting those habits into place to become more calm, more confident, more free. Beautiful. Well, it's been a real joy talking to you, Heather. Thank you so, so much. I think, um, you know, you've given us a lot to take away. And, you know, this is, whilst anxiety is a subject that comes up frequently, I, I always find that somebody has a, a new thing about it. You know, there's, everybody's got a, an interesting perspective on it. And, and I love the fact that you've brought in um, the nutrition aspect of it. And I think that's really, a, really valuable, really important, actually, and something that people don't necessarily always think about. Um, yeah, I mean, I could get sidelined into a whole thing about supplements right now, but um, maybe for another time. <laughs> a part two, perhaps. A part two. Just sort of going into the nutritional side of it, because holistic nutrition is 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 really important and i know that you know it often comes down to the same thing of like we know we kind of know what we need to eat we kind of know what the good things are but understanding the why i think is the is the key to actually making it a reality in in your life so yeah maybe we'll do that maybe we'll do that that would be really lovely but in the meantime like taking enough of your time thank you so much heather for joining me today Thank you for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thanks. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.